Welcome to another episode of Mental Health Mondays, where I talk to guests who are either professionals in the mental health space, advocates of mental health, or those that live with or experience a mental health challenge. And as a reminder, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you mash down that subscribe button so that you don't miss another episode. If you're watching this on LinkedIn or Facebook, you probably already subscribed to our page, but if you don't, make sure that you follow us so that, again, you don't miss another episode because I have amazing a guest, amazing a guest, amazing guests that I talk to every single week that I promise you, you don't want to hear that, don't want to miss their story. Wow, my mouth is not working today, but that's okay, right? Not about perfection, just about getting the information out. And I am so excited to bring on one of my friends that I've known for years and we haven't talked in a long time, but without further ado, I'm going to bring him up. So welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I am really excited, obviously, but because we haven't talked in quite some time, but you and I used to work together at a corporation and I, it's just been a really cool journey or I've been watching you, right? Like I've been watching <laughs> you go through your journey. And so share a little bit about yourself. Tell the audience about yourself. Yeah. My name is Jamie Key. I have, oh gosh, this is a tough one to be put on the spot with. So um, I work for a major telecom corporation. I am a manager of product sales support and analysis. Uh, basically in a nutshell, I do a lot of like project management work to ensure that we have some like awesome new tools and um, provide support to those tools as well. Um, recently for this job, I've moved out to Philadelphia from Denver uh, about four, three and a half months now. Um, still slowly getting settled in the new city. That's uh, definitely a change of pace, change of environment. And um, yeah, that's where I'll start. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, just a, a move out to a new city can be interesting or challenging in itself. Yeah. And I know I've been out to Philly a couple of times, so um, it's a really cool city for sure. Absolutely. Tons of great food. I actually have really enjoyed the people in this new city and it's uh, been a, an interesting transition. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, cause you were, how long did you live in Colorado? Wow. Uh, let's see since like second or third grade, I want to say like Oh two Oh three. So all my friends and family are still back in uh, Colorado and starting to make some new friends out here in Philly. Nice. That's awesome. So I know, I mean, obviously I brought you on the show for a reason, but yeah. um, what's the main like reason or what do you want to share about your experience that <laughs> had me want to bring you on to my show? Yeah. So two things I'd say, uh, the main point being uh, mental health awareness for males out there. I know that it's not something that's easy to talk about and it's kind of just how society has been throughout the years. You know, you've been taught at a young age like okay you know rub some dirt on it or um you know you're your guy you just got to suck it up and continue on with yourself um and then some other things i'd like to talk about would be like sobriety it's a choice that i made back in april don't really have like the exact start date unfortunately but um sobriety and really how it's helped open my eyes to other aspects of mental health as well yeah, I mean, both really, really important topics. But I think yeah. 
men's mental health as so we do a film festival every single year and last year for whatever reason we had a lot of entries centered around men's mental health which i thought was really really cool because we don't talk about it enough and so we ended up doing the whole film festival mainly around men's mental health and like you were saying those words that they can be really damaging i mean the suck it up get over it be a man all those things that you hear more often than not and i like cringe to now i'm like ah don't say that so it can it can be really damaging to men in general and just creates this this feeling of not being able to talk about anything which le- which ultimately um, that's why we have the stigma around talking about mental health. Yeah, exactly. And then one thing I'd say that has really helped me out was getting a, a new therapist or actually just gaining a therapist in general. It took me a couple of rounds in order to find somebody I finally clicked with. But, um, you know, you, you hear your friends going into therapy or counseling and the first thing people go is like, is everything okay? Are you all right? And uh, I think that we should start normalizing that conversation of, you know, being supportive of people going through therapy and counseling. And I, I think that it's a, a major part of life for, or it should be a major part of life for like everybody, because it doesn't matter how mentally like stable you are or um, how good you feel about your position in life. I think that it's always good to have somebody out there to talk to as a third party that's not a part of any bit of like the challenges you may be facing. Yeah, that's such a great point, too, is that, I mean, I always say that mental health should be talked about like we do the weather. It should be an everyday normal conversation that you have. I mean, hey, how are you doing? Or like, are you okay? Of course, those are things that are kind of cliche and we have our automatic responses, kind of like walking down the the hall at work. How are you? Great. How are you? Great. Right. But it's all this (laughs) persona that we put on in front of people. And so I think how cool would that be to be able to be like, you know what, like my day really sucks. And somebody (laughs) being like, Oh, okay, well, do you want to talk about it? And you're like, not really. And they're like, okay, you know, I mean, how, how those conversations, I think should be normalized. And maybe they want to talk about it. Maybe they don't. And that's okay. Absolutely. I, I I think that even just knowing that somebody isn't having a great day, week, month, whatever, it can really help you with your approach for even just those quick conversations. You know, it might just be a quick check in like, hey, I remember you weren't doing so well last time. How's everything going right now? You know, like just having a real conversation with people instead of just checking the box of like, OK, I walked by them. I said hi. And that was it. Yeah. And I know, I mean, when we worked together, uh, we used to sit pretty close to each other. And so that was fun to be able to like banter back and forth. And But you do, you start listening to what people say around you. And we were in a call center and it was hard to do that because there was a lot of noise. But I think that as both of us were supervisors, we got to know how to have those conversations, whether we wanted to or not. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And, but in in those environments we're pretty limited on what we can and can't say um and i know since i've walked away from the corporate environment i i feel like i'm a lot more free to talk about whatever i want whenever i want um mm-hmm. and i like actually having the hard conversations which before i would have been like i don't even want to go in this room and talk to this person because it scared me to have those conversations so i think it's important in the in the business and in life for sure. Yeah. And and one thing I'd like to say is, you know, foster an environment that really encourages people to bring their authentic self. 
you know, there's there's a lot of workplaces out there that you come in and you're like, I can't really talk about this. I've got to leave all my stuff like right there at the door. You know, don't bring anything as far as like politics, religion. And, and I'm not saying like come in and try to like start a major conversation about life. But, you know, foster that environment that allows you, your peers, your leaders, whoever it might be to really bring their authentic self and represent who they truly are um, versus, you know, oh, we don't talk about that. This is a, this is a work environment type of approach. Yeah, absolutely. But not that we came here to talk about work environment. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, Obviously, I'm still in work mode with it being in the middle of my work day here. Right, right. I'm like, hey, jump on when you're at work. It's okay. I'm like, yeah. this is what I do now as my job, which is fun. But yeah. um, no, I'd like to shift now into what you talked about sobriety. And this is yeah. definitely something that, I mean, BCC Evolution, we talk about um, mental health, substance use, and uh, suicide thoughts, but sobriety is one of those things that, um, I mean, substance abuse in general is a mental health challenge and too often we don't talk about it and people really truly are, whether they're struggling or they're suffering or whatever it might be that they're going through, they just don't talk about it. And you can see people go out and party and do all the things, but like, once you try to shift into not doing that, I'm sure there's a lot that ha has come up. So what has been your journey centered around becoming sober? Yeah, so kind of all started with initially starting conversations with my therapist. And, you know, it almost sounds like when you go to the doctor and they ask, oh, well, how many drinks do you have per week? And you're like, per week? Um, let me let me think about that. Like, yeah, this up or the last like per month. And um, when he had asked, you know, I was having a couple drinks each night. Um, which seemed normal because that's what a lot of my peers were doing. A lot of my friends were doing. And immediately he's like, well, I would recommend like an outpatient uh, recovery program and whatnot. And I was like, hold the phone. Like I still got like all of my priorities in line. I'm taking care of all my stuff. Like, why would you jump to that? And I won't lie. Like initially with that therapist, I was like a little bit off put by that. And I was like, here, let's start talking, start with talking through some of the other issues. And as we progress, like, you know, maybe I'll start exploring this idea of sobriety. So then um, it started off with, all right, well, let's see about like not drinking throughout the week. And I'm sure a lot of people have tried this method where they're like, okay, I'm not going to drink throughout the week. But then you get this mindset of like, you're collecting tokens that you can cash in at the end of the week. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden Friday night, Saturday night rolls around and I was cashing in all my tokens, feeling like garbage going into work uh, on Monday. And, uh, I'm sure a lot of people can relate where, oh, I've got a hangover. I'm going to have some drinks to like cure this, you know, the, the next night or something like that, thus falling back into the pattern. Um, so through a couple more sessions, I was like, you know what? I think I'll give this a shot. Like he said, how long do you want to do this? I said, I, I really don't want to put a time on it. I don't want to seem like this is a, a deadline. And I, I still have stuck true to that. Um, and I don't know, one day woke up uh poured out whatever was remaining within the house and decided to start going sober um i will say anybody that's curious on starting their journey with sobriety the the rewards you get from it are immediate so like day one you're going to start feeling uh, fantastic you're going to realize that once you do fall asleep 
because initially you're not going to be able to fall asleep as quickly as you're used to. But once you do fall asleep, you're going to wake up feeling refreshed. Within like a week, you're sleeping like a baby because, I mean, your body is just really healing from all the the years, months, however long you've been drinking for. And um, in a short amount of time, what was it? I had cleaned up my credit, got like an extra 100, 150 points on my credit score. Um, ended up buying a house out here in Philly versus renting. And this is my first house that I had bought. And I got to say, it's the smartest decision I've made in a long time. And nothing against people that are out there and drinking, but now being on the outside and looking in at it, you start noticing just how normal it is with society. Um, you know, drinking is a, a part of the holidays. Like right now we're in the holiday season. You know, people are like, oh, I better grab a couple extra bottles of wine because aunt so-and-so is coming into town or whatever it might be. And um, even advertisements around this time of the year, you'll see, oh, it's our holiday Bailey's. Like, you know, kick off your, I don't know, like Christmas the right way with starting off with a drink from Bailey's. Um, but just how normal it is in society right now and how acceptable drinking is to the point of even when, when I go out right now, um, a lot of my friends are aware that I am like sober. So they want to try to accommodate and they want to, um, make sure that I, I'm in a comfortable environment, which to me, I, I really enjoy, but I always tell them like, no, it's okay. I can still go to a bar. I can still go out. I can be around alcohol. It's just, I'm going to choose not to drink. Um, yeah, I kind of rambled on there for a minute, but I'll pause there for a sec. No, I think that's great. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's a choice, right? We all have a choice, mm -hmm. the choices that we make. And um, I know that when you talk about substance abuse, sometimes that choice is really, really hard to make because I love the fact that you talked about going to therapy, right? Like this was something that was brought up in therapy because I don't think that you can necessarily just quit. Maybe some people can, but there has to be a whole conversation around your mental health in general and why are you why are you drinking like is it a societal thing is it a coping mechanism like there's so many different layers to why people drink and that's why the conversation with a therapist or finding somebody that is going to be there to bounce things back and forth is really important especially as you talk about um drinking in general it, it gives you that moment of self-reflection uh when that question had come up like why why do you drink I started realizing it was an ex I always had an excuse to drink, whether it was, hey, it was a really awesome day. It's time to celebrate because whatever award came in or our team did whatever. Let's go drink or, oh, it was a bad day. And, uh, you know, let's have a couple drinks to unwind from the end of the day. Or it was just meh. It was whatever. And you're just like, all right, time for a drink. Um, and, and another thing that he helped me realize, too, was, you know, we, we think of alcoholism or like being a drunk or whatever. We start picturing somebody that's homeless and begging on the side of the road. And we're like, okay, I'm not at that level quite yet. Um, or you think about maybe a relative that has had some really major issues with drinking. You're like, I'm not at that level yet. So I don't really need to like, it's, this is not a problem. But the key word is like, yet. 
okay, sure, you might have had a couple drinks and you drove home and everything's fine, but what what when are you gonna hit that point where you might have slipped up? Maybe somebody hit you and suddenly you've got you know a DUI under your belt. Um, but when I had to peel myself away from that and just realize that this is a, a me thing instead of trying to compare myself to friends, because you can always find that person that's, you know, drinking a little bit more heavily than you, or it's a little bit sloppier at whatever social event that you're out at. But when you can start realizing like how often during these interactions, you you're drinking, you realize how much of a dependency you had on it, you know, like, uh, in order for me to go out to the social situation, I need to have, you know, a couple beers before they get there so I can kind of loosen up and really, really get in my, my zone. Um, but once I peel that out, I realize I can still have fun. I can still party. I can still like be a part of the crowd. I just leave a little earlier than <laughs> I would have before, you know, so it's now 11 o'clock by the time I head out instead of waiting until the bar closes with everybody else. Um, and I wake up the next day feeling great. I can take care of them then, you know? Yeah, I think that, I mean, as a parent, I, I, I don't, I mean, you would think that we drink a lot in our house because we have a lot of alcohol, but like we never drink. So that's why we have a lot. And I mean, more so as a parent, it's like, I don't want to wake up and feel like crap. Cause I know that next day my son's going to wake up at like 6am cause it never fails. And so for me, it's just been, or or I'm like, yeah, I want to have a drink. And then I forget that I want to have one. And so it hasn't ever, it hasn't ever gotten to that point that I like I'm drinking every single night, but I've been in those situations, right? Like I had, I have a DUI. I got it in 2011 and that was a wake up call for me of like, what am I doing with my life? And I think it even extends into 2013. Like, I feel like that was the lowest point of my life. I was drinking constantly all the time, hanging out with friends. And I really truly say that my son saved my life, like having my son, because I was in such this perpetual cycle of going out and partying. Like I didn't have any responsibilities. I did whatever I want, whenever I wanted. And like you said, I woke up feeling like crap every single day. And I know like those questions come up on whenever you do physicals and you're like, uh, and then I have to think now I'm like, when was the last time? But I think that's amazing. Like you, you found the space of, I need like something has to change, but first you started with a therapy. And like you said, it can take, um, multiple going through multiple, like maybe that first person is not right for you and that's okay. Um, I talk about advocating for yourself, advocating for others, making sure that you are finding that person that you're going to click with, which you finally got to that right therapist, which is great. And then you have to ask those questions of yourself of like, is this about me or is this about somebody else? And it is about me. And so now I need to reflect back in and find out like, what is it about me that's causing me to drink every single night? So as you started to really shift and not drink, what came up? Like, was there stuff that came up that? Absolutely. You... <laughs> Absolutely. So I would say the biggest thing that I didn't realize drinking was doing was suppressing my emotions. It was, oh, I'm stressed out about this at work. So let me drink so I don't really have to feel this feeling. 
or I'm stressed out about bills or, you know, whatever might be coming up. I have to move here in a few months to go to Philly or something. So you drink and you're like, ah, I'll deal with it tomorrow, which was a lie that I was telling myself all the time. And all it did was push off all those problems until I got sober. So as soon as I got sober, all of a sudden I'm hearing that voice in my head and I don't have a way to shut it out. And um, also moving out here alone gave me this time while being sober to just sit. Like if you ever get a time in your life where you can sit in a room of silence by yourself and finally stop hearing, you know, the stressors and all that stuff coming up. Or when you are hearing them, you can actually fully embrace them. Um, another thing I'm noticing is when I feel happy, I can truly relish and feel happy. And when I'm feeling sad, I don't find ways to avoid it or suppress it. I want to fully embrace what, what am I being sad about? How, how did I get here? Am I really reacting the, the correct way or appropriate way? And just riding the wave as opposed to avoiding it altogether. Um, I've really become more in tune with my emotions overall and feeling mad or sad doesn't seem so scary anymore because I'm fully in control of that emotion now. I'd say that's probably the the biggest thing I've noticed with sobriety and what's kept me holding on to it ever since. I mean, what has it been? Eight months or so now? Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, just that alone is something that it's like that hope piece, right? Like you have this this hope of you can move through instead of shoved down. And that's a lot of what I talk about too, is that oftentimes, I mean, substance use is a coping mechanism because we want to shove it down as far as we possibly can so that we don't have to deal with it. But the most healthy way is to move through versus that shoving down because eventually it's going to come up. Eventually everything oh, yeah. comes up <laughs> and that's when we have to build in these positive coping skills versus the negative coping skills. And so being in control of your emotions and being able to move through them versus using something to go around them. I think that is huge, really huge. Yeah. If you're, if you're feeling sad, mad, or going through a moment in your life, you got to really hold on to it, embrace it, like figure out why you're feeling this way. And like you said, if you suppress it, that's all you're doing. You're suppressing it. It's going to come up again. It might be when you stub your toe. It might be when your dogs have an accident in the house. You're going to realize that you're going to have a reaction to those moments that is probably way bigger than you were ever needing for that moment and realizing, okay, this isn't about stubbing my toe. This is not about the dog going to the bathroom in the house. This is about something bigger and I need to address it head on. Yeah, that's so important. And so when you, as you started this journey through sobriety, did you find that you lost friends or did you gain friends or how did the social aspect play yeah, out? Yeah, I'd say if you're looking at like friends through, like this didn't literally happen, but like a Facebook friend count. I would say I kept the same amount of friends. But what I did realize is that I had friends and I had drinking buddies. And I think that your drinking buddies are the ones that you go out drinking with, they go out drinking with you. It's like a, hey, I, I don't have a, a habit or a problem or whatever it is because I'm always going out with this person. Um, but I did realize that I still had probably about 10 really close 
friends, people that I truly care about, the ones that I can talk through like emotional stuff that's happening in my life and they actually provide or provide feedback or even just listen. Um, and they can do the same with me too. But I'd say, you know, your friend group will shrink like what you consider like your immediate friends because you're like, wait, I used to go out with Bob all the time and Bob doesn't hit me up anymore. And then you start realizing like, Bob and I would just go to the bar. <laughs> Bob and I would go watch sporting events at the bar and that was it. We didn't really connect on any other level. Sure, we might have had those deep life conversations at like one o'clock in the morning, but neither of us remember them. <laughs> so was it really like a true deep conversation or was it, you know, just because we were drinking? Yeah. And that's, I mean, I know some people that look at being sober, they're like, well, I'm not going to have any friends left or I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to have these things that I have now, but what of those things are real and true? And what of those things are maybe better to release? I mean, that's yeah. something obviously that uh, whomever chooses that path needs to understand that some of this will start to come up. But I think the important part to showcase is you don't have to go through it alone there are therapists, there are people, friends, so many different coaches out there now that really, truly want to help. And if it's not the right person, like I say that to my clients all the time is I may or may not be the right person for you, but if I'm not, that's okay. And I will, I'll refer you to somebody else, you know? So <laughs> um, it's definitely one of those things that you can uh, be able to guide people and help people through whatever they're going through. And I, it sounds scary. Maybe somebody who might be listening to this is like, I can't get sober. It's, it's <laughs> my thing, right? Like it's, it's my thing and I'm going to hold on to it like a blanket. A lot of people will think, okay, I, I need to get sober from alcohol or whatever. I need to go to AA. And I think AA is a great avenue for a lot of people. There's tons of different types of meetings out there, whether it be like a speaker meeting, whether it just be hanging out with other people that are sober. For me, it wasn't something that clicked. It, the thing that clicked for me was having a therapist that I could talk through with these types of things. I, I've tried doing some of those meetings. It's not for everybody. Don't think that that one path is the only path in order to get sober or clean in your life. Um, there's... Yeah, there's tons of avenues. There's I, I have friends that are supportive that are sober themselves and that are not sober as well that still want to support me in my own journey. Um, yeah, you're, you're not alone out there. And uh, initially when I first started sobriety, I was thinking, okay, there's nobody out there that's sober. There's I'm, I'm going to be the boring one at every event. You'll start realizing it's about a quarter of the population out there that doesn't drink. They, and they choose not to, whether they have never drank in their life or, you know, tried it a couple times through college and they never really connected with it. But you're, you're not alone. There's bands out there. There's, um, there's celebrities out there. There's, and in right now it's probably even the best time for sobriety. I'd say like in social media in general, it's a lot more supported than it used to be. It's not where it's like, wait, why aren't you drinking? Okay, we're not inviting out Jamie anymore. Um, there's even like Post Malone songs that are coming out about his journey with alcohol. Um, it's becoming a lot more normal. And I like having these types of conversations because it should be, you know, easy to talk about. 
you know, I didn't I, go and like crash it. You know, there I've heard stories where people were like, okay, this was like a big force, like wake up call for my alcoholism. For me, it was, I just wanted to do better. I wanted to be a better person. And will I stay, you know, completely stark sober for my entire life? I'm unsure at this time, but um, I do know that if I ever try to reintroduce it into my life, I would um, definitely be aware of everything that's happening around me, whether it's, okay, this is a one-time event, which turns into like a daily thing again, you know, I want to make sure that I'm ahead of it. Yeah. I think that's important too, is like, you have to know what are your boundaries and it doesn't necessarily, well, I mean, depending on the level of where you're at in your journey with substance use or drinking alcohol or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, there can be times maybe that you move into potentially drinking again. Maybe you don't, right. That's okay. And I know, I've seen, yeah, I've seen both sides of the coin there. I've seen people that haven't drank for six years and then they reintroduce it to their life and they're perfectly okay. But I've also seen people ruin their entire life within 30 days of reintroducing alcohol to their life. At this point and stage in my sobriety, I'm like, I'm not willing to take that gamble. And I'm not sure I ever will be, but um, it's interesting to see, you know, of of those examples, I'd say I have one good example of somebody reintroducing it to their life. And then about four of reintroducing it to their life that has just ruined all aspects, whether it's family, financial, what have you. And that's only just in the last few months. Yeah. It's not, I mean, everybody experiences things differently. We all are different people. We're all human. Um, and we're going to have our own experience, whatever our journey might be. Um, I think it is important that the conversations are had, uh, whether you are sober or not sober, right? Like what, what is the reason that you choose to drink alcohol and who are the people that can support or be around you? And one of the things that you said, um, it's interesting, like, I, cause we just got married in July and thinking about the guest list, right. Is like who drinks and who doesn't. And a good majority of the people that were going to be there don't drink. And I, I thought that was really interesting for me because I'm like, oh, wow, I have more sober friends than I do uh, friends that drink. And so it is, it's, it's a norm and society has programmed us. Like you talked about earlier is that you see it on commercials, you see it um, in the news, you see it everywhere. Right. And it doesn't have to be your normal, like you create or define your own life and what is going to be the best route or experience for you is up to you. And I think that's important to understand, but also like, what's the reason that you might be turning to alcohol or maybe you're turning to drugs? Like, what are the things underneath? Like, what's that onion layer that we need to uncover? And I think that therapy or a coach or somebody that you trust, talk to them and see how you can start shifting it. Great. And if there's, if there's one major point to take away from here is like, if you are considering therapy, go. If you hear about a friend that's in therapy, be supportive. Don't don't kind of ostracize them where you go, okay, wait, is everything okay? I didn't realize it was that bad. Sometimes it doesn't have to be that bad. It's a good thing that your friend is there. And just keep an eye on them. Watch them, watch them grow. And if you see them, you know, maybe having a rough time, reach out and lend an ear. Yeah. 
I mean, and if you don't want to call it therapy, call it coaching, call yeah. it <laughs> talk <laughs> to a mentor. <laughs> yeah, That's how I started. I was like, ah, this is gonna be coaching. I want to take my life to a new elevated level. Because in that moment, I'd, I'd say that my friends and family that were looking at me were like, Jamie, you have everything going for you. Everything's fine. Why, why are you seeing a therapist? It's like, I want to become a better person. This is an avenue that can help me realize where I can improve. Yeah. Therapy is not just for, I mean, it's good to be talking depending on what type of therapy, right? Like there's right. talk therapy, there's coaching, there's, um, there's so many different styles of therapy that, I mean, if you don't feel comfortable saying therapy, uh, call it coaching or get a mentor, you know, like, I mean, there's so many yep. other, that's what I'm, whenever I, uh, with my clients, I'm like, well, technically it's coaching. Like it's a type of therapy, but we're not going to call it therapy. Right. Right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of ways around, but um, anything else that you want to share with the audience? Nothing that's coming to mind. I'm sure I'll be flooded with thoughts as soon as, as soon as we end the call, but <laughs> nothing in this moment. Cool. Well, if anybody wants to follow your journey, I mean, I put your LinkedIn in the comments below, but is there awesome. anywhere else that uh, if people want to follow your journey, where, where can they find you? That would probably be the best one, if not Facebook, if you're okay with seeing some memes that might be slightly offensive, but will make you laugh. But um, you can also find me on Facebook too. Awesome. Yeah. So go uh, connect with Jamie on LinkedIn or maybe on Facebook. Um, I always, every single time we sat next to each other, it was like the best banter back and forth. And I love your personality and, um, how you keep things lighthearted. So I'm so incredibly proud of you going through this journey and I just can't wait to watch it unfold even more. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, and thanks again, Kelly, for having me. Of course. All right, y'all. That was another amazing episode of Mental Health Mondays, where we talk to guests who are either professionals in the mental health space, advocates of mental health, or those that live with or experience a mental health challenge. And I just want to remind you, if you're watching this on LinkedIn or Facebook, make sure that you're following us. Hopefully you are. If you're on YouTube, mash down that subscribe button. And last reminder is that we are still doing our Climb for Mind, Climb for Mind um, fundraiser. So we are going to climb a mountain next August, myself and Philip, and it is 30 miles going up the mountain coming down, going up, coming down 13 times, which equals 30 miles. And our goal is to raise $60,000 for this event that will all go towards mental health and suicide prevention education. And I'm sure you all heard recently that Twitch uh, recently passed. He died by suicide. And I know that it's a big, big conversation. And this is everything that we do within BCC Evolution. Um, we are a mental health and suicide prevention um, 501c3. And so we really need your help to be able to educate more people. And that's why we do what we do, especially on this show, is bring those people that can give you resources, those people that can share their experience, they can share their story, and they can help you potentially if they're a coach or a therapist or whatever they might be, or maybe you just need to hear their story. Like Jamie told you today, it can be really, really hard to wake up and be like, what am I doing with my life? How am I going about it? But 
I need to talk to somebody. And so therapy is a great space. If you don't want to call it therapy again, call it coaching, get a mentor. Uh, there's lots of people out there that want to help you, including myself. You can reach out to BCC evolution. Um, you go to our website. There's lots and lots of online resources. There are also people that you can talk to people you can connect with. Uh, myself is included there. And so it is just really, really important. The work that we do is all centered around mental health and suicide prevention education, because if we don't talk about it, we don't educate, educate people about it, then we will never be able to help anybody. And like I said, these are a lot of things that I go over in all the classes that we do. And if you support us at this fundraiser, the easiest way is to text CLIMB, the number four, MIND, to 44321. And again, all of that goes to all of our mental health programs that we offer and all of our classes, which is super amazing because I promise you, if you don't know how to identify or um, don't know how to know the signs or symptoms of a mental health substance use or suicide thoughts, um, you can learn them from me. And I promise you, they're pretty fun classes because I teach them. So uh, um, you can join one of our classes. You can go support our climbs and watch me <laughs> climb 30 miles, 13 times up the mountain and have all of it go towards mental health and suicide prevention education because now is the time to get educated and now is the time to make an impact on this world because we all know that there's a lot of people that are out there suffering in silence and we need to give them a voice and that's what i'm doing with bcc evolution so thank you so much for watching this episode make sure you check out the next one and we'll see you back next monday bye y'all